0: Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here in Discologist, and we have a really great show coming your way. Uh, jazz is, simply put, American culture's greatest gift to the world, but more importantly, it is African-American culture's greatest gift to the world, a fact that is sometimes uh, overlooked or diminished. Now in this episode, we're going to be discussing the art form's importance and legacy, how it's easier to get into jazz than you might think, we know, it's daunting, guys, and highlighting three fantastic new releases to help guide you on your journey towards enlightenment. So if you're ready for all of this, strap in, get ready to be culturally enriched, and let's get on with the show.
1: Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men into one man. Merely a two word review, it just a shit sandwich. I will roll the
0: record up to the That right there he is a oh, lot, lot of the Or well, we are. Like, I mean, like, it's what, it's what into it, but like uh, one thing, when we took this break, it was for an important, like, reason. Obviously, the and uh, media, including us, even though um, I've talked to you guys a lot about this, I think we've done okay on this front. But media, in in just writ large, kind of uh, just doesn't represent art by people of color. It's it's not erasure, but it's certainly not a thing people will drift to and like to be critical of of like ourselves. It's like I, I think maybe you guys are the only two I can get to talk about music by a person of color unless it's Kendrick Lamar. Uh, and that's really not a slight on anybody. That's just how I uh, you know, people like what they like, people like what they're familiar with. It is hard to talk about stuff. So We stopped basically because those voices need space, but also uh, so we can figure out what to do and still figuring it out. I am. I am still figuring it out. But one of the things that I wanted to make sure we did is at least represent this. Uh, It is – we are three white dudes talking about jazz, (laughs) Um, but uh, maybe that's a way to convince three other white dudes to talk about jazz
2: yeah I think um, you know jazz is is I think without a doubt, um, probably one of the greatest um, contributions America has made to the sort of to art in general and to music in in particular. And I think it's, um, you know, before the world was so kind of basic, um, American popular entertainment got you nothing in terms of credibility. Uh, in the old world, right in Europe uh, and elsewhere, and you know it's not it's it's not accidental that I think that that jazz has had such a sort of a distinguished uh, and elevated role in Japan in Europe um, all over the world. I think it's it's really recognized as sort of a uniquely American invention um, which is why it's also interesting I think that we're talking about a lot of jazz today that doesn't necessarily come from
3: there are American contributions right. to it, but we're not necessarily <laughs> talking about American artists today,
0: right. Right.
3: Well, I think that's one of the interesting things about jazz in general is that, you know, here we are in a country that's literally made up of people coming from different places, um, and with a form of music that is made up of bringing in influences from everything that you can think of, um, whether that's, you know, the cultural heritage of the individual artists involved, or if you're just talking about, um, you know, bringing in, um, you know, an element from a show tune that maybe, you know, within the same solo, somebody will quote something from a show tune and then throw in something from, you know, some other form of popular music and then throw in something that's never been played before. Um, And it's through combining all of those things that it becomes this art form that both represents America um, in of itself, but I think also, you know, has such huge appeal for a lot of places in the world because everyone can bring that and bring their own, um, you know, personal viewpoint into it.
0: And it also, like, I I think the language of jazz is. Uh, there's a lot of jazz that's ecstatic, and, and people think of it as an intellectual like exercise. And I, I think it's more of an emotional like exercise. It is. The language is in large part like the pain of of being black in America. That that's just built into the lexicon of all this stuff. Even if uh, something as joyful as uh, Harmony of Difference, you know, Kamasi Washington, and that. like this is what this is built from. It is. It is almost the same, like you said, bringing in different parts, uh, as as how hip hop was created. You know, bringing in different parts, and, and those were actually using whatever was around, and I, not to put too like, blunt a point on it, like like white people didn't do that. <laughs> you know, they just and and they still don't, and and it's when I talk to people about listening to jazz, I usually get the the intellectual argument, you know, where it's like, "Oh, that's too sophisticated" or "too this." Or I get like Darius thing. It's like it's just beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, <laughs> and, and like I can't yeah. argue with that a lot of times. Uh, but I, I don't. I, I I wonder often if it is like a racial component where people just subconsciously like internalize that as like, "Oh, that's that music." You know, for for the other se- like segment of society, and doesn't doesn't really apply to me. And why it would be that way, and it's not that way necessarily for blues. Yeah,
2: well, I think as we've as we've probably mentioned before, you know, the the top selling jazz recording of all time uh, remains Kenny G. So I think. Uh, <laughs> Um I think it's Jazzy worth noting books. that right I mean, I mean kind of blue had like many decades uh worth of a head start on it and uh and still was obliterated by kenny G. I, you know the other thought I had um with your opening comment, Kevin, is just you know in some ways um in some ways people of color are very well represented in culture, and black culture is sort of you know becomes a stand in for American culture, and that's when it gets embraced, and that's when it's seen as belonging to the whole even while the creators of it are still kind of marginalized and not really seen as as being part of, you know, mainstream America.
0: Yeah, and that marginalization is why you see people like No Name being like, I don't want, like, white yeah. people coming to my shows. And, you know, on the surface, you, know, you see the reactions of people saying that, like, oh, well, whatever then, you know, that's fine. But, I mean, there is there is an actual point to her saying that. And, and I think a valid point, you know, is just, like, you can't uh, – you can't just swallow up all this like culture that isn't yours that you did you had no hand in creating and then expect to not honor like the culture
2: and just sort of ass- assimilate it like some weird like racist board yeah i mean there's that question of what if we loved um what if america loved black people as much as it loves black culture <laughs> um what would what would what would the world look like right um and yeah. i think we can all we can write like that 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 la- that line hits because it feels true yeah yeah so we are here to talk about jazz so, so let's start talking about it and and apologies to any uh zulu fluent uh listeners um but uh uh naduduzo uh makatini um who hails from um a part of South Africa that I will not try to pronounce, um, but is near near Durban, so on the Eastern side. Um, and this is something like his seventh or eighth um, uh, album as a leader, um, his first for Blue Note. Uh, it's called Modes of Communication, Letter from the Underworlds. And just by way of introduction, there's a couple of, I think, noteworthy things about this. So the first is that um, most of us are not really deeply familiar with South African jazz. Um, you know, I can sort of name a, a token, you know, Hugh Masekela or an Abdullah Ibrahim or something like that. But, uh, but you know, our fluency with with South with with true South African jazz is probably uh, limited, and so these songs already start from a place of of being a little bit unfamiliar. Um, you can recognize touch points in his playing. There's certainly, you know, a lot of kind of McCoy Tyner, and uh, that's probably who gets cited the most with 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 very good reason. I mean, and the album is called "Modes of Communication," so there's a there's a there's a play on words there, kids. Um, but but interestingly, you know, this this comes from um, a place of um, Zulu hymns and sacred songs, and um, and and in interviews, he talks a little bit about sort of going between Christianity um, and pre Western religion, and I think he has he's recognized as a healer. Um, and you know the there's there's this idea of like whether you know Christianity teaches of course the idea of the heavens and god being above us somehow and and you know he even has an album called listen to the ground um and so in Zulu tradition i think the way to, the way that you connect to your ancestors and to the eternal and the divine isn't isn't by going up and away from the earth it's by diving into it and going under it and so i think there's a lot of power behind uh behind the phrasing of that um And it's a really, it's just a fascinating listen. It feels a little bit loose to, you know, to sort of, you know, when you picture that sort of uh, Rudy Van Gelder uh, driving, you know, a bunch of guys in suits, like nailing the head of the song, you know, doing round robin solos and just, you know, doing everything by the book. This feels, this feels much looser than that. There are are vocals from his wife. Um, He does a little bit of singing. You wouldn't know he's, if you didn't know that the band leader is a is a pianist you 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 wouldn't know from listening to this because he's sometimes barely there uh Logan Richardson um does a lot of the uh, gets featured a lot on here um and so the song i wanted to um to play is called umlota which i th- which according to the internet uh means ash which i uh i totally believe um and i think fits in with that with that uh with some of the themes i was i was talking about in terms of the role of the ground and uh, uh, and roots and and like a lot of songs on this album, it takes a little while to get going. There's sort of a few minutes of uh, sort of unstructured uh, melody that kind of washes over you, and and somewhere around like minute three, you really get this driving, uh, lilting uh, piano melody that then anchors the entire tune, and the band just takes off, and it's it's pretty glorious.
0: Yeah, let's hear a little bit of that. And if if you're all oh, y'all have it on one point five or two, double speed slow it down <laughs> we're going to pay attention now here's a umlaut So when that kicks in, that is,
2: uh, that's, that's pure. Yeah, it's, it's the scene setting, you know, a lot of, a lot of the songs on this album sort of do that. Um, And we're not, you know, we're used to sort of, uh, I think, the, the classical paradigm is sort of like you have a very structured head of a song, and then, you know, things get a little looser in the solo. And in this case, it tends to be the opposite. You get these He's very sort of loose, you know, there's a, there's a clearly discernible chord progression that closes each bar there, but, um, but, you know, when it, when they really punctuate it and kick into the, uh, into the tune and it really starts driving, it's just a whole, it
3: just transforms. I was just going to say there's something really kind of um, transformational about jazz. Um, and And I, I say that meaning a lot of different things because that can be, you know, really kind of slow sedate spacey kind of stuff like in a silent way um you know totally totally takes you somewhere else um it can be the catharsis you get from free jazz you know but there's just something that that does take you on a journey um and that's one of the things that i most love about anytime i put on a um you know, the new jazz album that I haven't heard. And and I was actually really glad that you had chosen this one to bring in because, um, I was really excited about this album. Um, you know, he plays with Chewbacca and the ancestors um, right, and I've really right. liked their work. Um, and I was, you know, super excited about this one and then just honestly forgot about it and, and <laughs> hadn't listened to it yet. And so it was really nice to, um, to get in, but, but that's a lot of what I was feeling like from the first time putting this on is just like, okay, this is going to be a journey and, um, and man, it just takes you to gorgeous places. There's a uh, there's like a an 18
2: minute long version of this on YouTube um, that's really well shot. The sound on it's great, and um, and not only is it fascinating to hear it and see it performed in that in that setting, but then to run down and see all the comments uh, of people appreciating him, um, and to see which ones he responds to, and just and and it's it feels very rooted in a particular uh, version of the South African experience, and um and and that's sort of a you know we can't possibly understand that we don't understand most of the songs on this album i think one of the songs is in english but uh but the others are not and so um you know there's 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 a way in which we're already approaching this from the standpoint of not you know it's totally unfamiliar from the get go right i mean we're having pronunciation struggles with some of these uh titles which is totally fair from a western standpoint but um but but it's really interesting to see it it kind of be rooted and to see a sort of crowd feedback basically speaking to him as you know you are transformational you are you are giving us the gift of uh, of our hymns and the music of our ancestors.
0: Uh, to that point, I think I think that's the difference between that and like a lot of Western music uh, in general. Like we uh, as capitalists like have to view art, music, or whatever as for us when the reality is it's not for us it's for mm-hmm. it's for the world and we can it's out there if we want to grab onto it but it's not like for us <laughs> you know to, to be like oh you made that for us or you're trying to please us by doing this you know x y and z there's you know you see it more in jazz where people want a melody and that's that's certainly a more like trad jazz type of deal but mm-hmm. you people Have the space to go out just into like the furthest reaches of the universe and it's still the same piece and figure out different ways to present themes to you. And at the end of the day, I think like honestly like sort of vibrations of like what's going on, whatever they're picking up on, whatever he's picking up on, I don't have experience with that. But listening to his work and listening to more of his work, you have more experience with that and I would say more so than any other art form if you dive into a single jazz player and follow them through their thing, you get a real sense of who they are, and it can be just their horn, their piano, like
2: whatever yeah, no that's that's such a great point too because because for me with him, this is gonna serve as a like as a, as a as a starting point for a retrospective, right so I think his his like his debut album he actually released he sort of pulled a kamasi before kamasi did that which is he he got signed to a major label in south africa and released two albums on the same day that was his debut album was actually two two releases on the same date and uh so he's got a lot he's got a lot of music he wants to put out in the world and and so now i'm just so excited to have these you know seven or eight sessions to go back to
3: and you know to your point kevin about um i I think this is one of the really interesting things um about jazz but it's also one of the reasons that it can be hard to talk about um, is you know often when you're talking about music even though it is a sound based art field um, you're often talking about lyrics um, and you're often talking about the message that's getting put across through the words that somebody has to say and obviously you know this album does have words on it um you know there's uh, there's words um, <clears throat> in a, in a lot of jazz especially you know if it's if it is a singer based jazz album but um, but you get a lot of spoken word things you get a lot of chants you get um you know a lot of words in it but really when you're talking about getting to know a person through their playing in the jazz field um it's generally through their playing, and and that's the thing. Like you know, if you feel like you know who McCoy Tyner was, or you know who John Coltrane was, or you know who Ambrose and is, um, you know, it, it's because they tell us who they are through sounds. Um, and I think that's one of the things. Again, it makes it challenging to talk about to some extent uh, because you really have to kind of look into your emotions. But but for me, that's what sets it away from being that intellectual thing that we were talking about earlier. Um, and and I think you know one of the previous shows i think you and i talked about kevin um kamasi washington's statement that jazz has a pr problem um and that idea of it being this like super intellectual thing where like you know a lot of people i think think you know if you're listening to jazz you're just like sitting there counting this strange time signature and you know like you know how many different modes did they use in this song whatever you know and it's just i don't listen to that like at all in that way it's it's pure emotion and um you know, but that's I think where you get to the core of who a person is um, beyond the words, and just really what do they have to say in an emotional sense?
0: Yeah, and you can find out a lot about yourself as a listener.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to be said for 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 patience and for um, you know for uh, especially in a in a distracted era such as the one we're living in um, to really forcing yourself to. To basically sit down and and wait more than two minutes for a payoff and not be on drugs to your point, Kevin, right not being, yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and I mean look, and there's nothing wrong with like playing beer thirty by Florida Georgia line like 20 times <laughs> in a row while you drink beer, but you have to be real and understand that's a cheesy
2: poof. Yeah. Let me, let me, right. And, and, and there was something kind of wrong with that. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. And I say, I say that from a place of love, because as much as I love jazz, I also love when people make fun of jazz. Like I'm like, I can hold both ideas in my mind. Mm -hmm. Right. I I love this form of music. People make fun of it all the time. It's usually funny. There was, there was, there's like a Netflix show with John Malkovich in it, where someone turns to him at one point and goes, what about you? You seem like someone who pretends to like jazz. And I was like, "Ah, (laughs) that's a great, that is a great, that is a great joke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty good um all right i'm gonna bring it back to the united states a little bit and uh this is this guy has been uh i first heard of him from you guys because honestly jazz the, the pool is deep it is deep it is wide you know you can't know it all and you shouldn't worry about it that's the first barrier for many people where do i start well you just start where somebody tells you and you do it uh ambrose akin musiri i think i said that right uh he was on to Pimp a Butterfly. So he's familiar with the Kamasi crew, the, the West Coast Get Down. He's also played with people like Cold Specs, uh Joni Mitchell, and he uh Esperanza Spalding mm. who is right now one of the top jazz practitioners in the world. And if you don't like she did a couple albums that were just like live recordings uh for like two days or something. Uh, there's there's two of them back there. I'll put it in the show notes, but they're there it's remarkable work, and she's a bass player. But uh, Ambrose is not just a trumpeter, but he's also a composer. and and he has done that. like now this is like his fifth album, I think, sixth album for Blue Note. The one that I went back to listening to this origami Harvest is fascinating uh, because it's it is on Blue Note. It's more hip hop than jazz, in my opinion. and and it's basically, wherever the vibe takes him is what he's going to do, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and which I think is a good way to go because look, if you're playing trumpet, you definitely have the, the ghost of miles looking over your, your back. Like people, like people who are just stepping lightly into the jazz pool. That's the, that's where they go. Miles Davis. So you better be good. If you're doing trumpet, he is good uh, on this one. He put together his uh, old quartet, just Sam Harris on piano, uh, Harish Raghavan on bass and Justin Brown on drums and sort of went back to a more traditional jazz stuff. This is at times there it it sounds a little bit like trad jazz at times it sort of fades off into the distance. The end actually fades off, you know. It's it's uh it's a whole as they say, it's a whole fucking mood. So, I want to play a song off this. Uh, this is actually a single, which believe it or not, a jazz album got a single cuz it's on Uh, And this is the shortest song on the album, but this is a little bit of Roy. The way that pushes and pulls at like wanting to almost get out of like a safe like melodic thematic zone and stuff little adding little things to the chords and where it sounds like it's just going to go off the rails and then it it instantly resolves Mm -hmm. uh and and that's unlike a lot of the stuff like i was saying on this album uh this is uh that that track is two minutes and 41 seconds most tracks hover around like six seven minutes uh, so there's a lot of exploration going on, but by the end of it, he brings it back to like make this statement of just like you know this
2: is this is our language, and this
0: is it perfectly executed
2: well the 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 art of the tasteful ballad is kind of an unsung aspect of jazz, and um and I think you know some of it has, I mean, I'll sort of pick on someone like a Brad Meldow who i who I generally you know don't don't crap on, but like too many notes, Brad. <laughs> sometimes there's just too many <laughs> notes. Um, but so there's a lot to be said for restraint, right? and I think and I think that that uh, that piece um, and the composition and and staying true to the composition really exemplify just how thoughtful of a moment that
3: that type of music can offer you.
0: Mm-hmm. because we often think of jazz as improv
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. well and and this is a group of players who i mean many people consider akimusiri to be the premier trumpet player in the world right now um you know and, and i wouldn't argue with that um but you know a, a shout out to the rest of the group i mean when, when you're in that position <laughs> needless to say you can get some pretty talented guys playing with you you know um and um harish Raghavan put out a really really great record um I forget if that was the beginning of this year or last year, but uh, but a really, really lovely record. Um, I was I've actually been really struck by um, Sam Harris is playing um, on this album. He's kind of um, what's jumped out at me um, the most. But you just have these these players together who have been playing together for a long time, and that's something that can you know definitely you know bring a lot to an album. Um, but. Their ability to go outside of the structure, um, come back into it so easily, Um, they play a variety of styles, um, you know, whether you're just talking about tempo, or if you're talking about a little bit more out or a little bit more in um, through this record, and yet it holds together as such a beautiful piece. And I'd say the same thing, you know, it's interesting that, that... his records as a band leader hold together as as the work of one artist even though as you said Origami Harvest which was you know one of my favorite records of that year you know a lot of rap elements um a lot of classical elements that was one of the things that really struck me about that the strings on that album are just gorgeous you know and that makes you really really excited to hear what this person is going to do next um and you know what he's done next year is just absolutely stunning
0: yeah and i think too like you have to understand jazz like there just aren't like hits anymore yeah so it gives artists room to do this like you said Wes. you're excited to see what he's done here we're excited what he's he what he's done next you mentioned brad meldow uh we did finding gabriel uh but then he just did something in the lockdown that i think you bought actually mm-hmm. uh, I did, I did, yeah. it was like a hundred dollar vinyl and it's it, and it, it's not anything uh uh exceptional In the sense that like it's not like whoa brad meldow progressed and he did all this stuff but it's 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 fucking satisfying and it and it's just like he's talented he's just has something else to say let's keep going
2: well there's 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 a lot to be said for um first of all for 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 jazz musicians um valuing longevity um you know there's there's sort of a long history of really talented uh musicians who were taken from us um too quickly but then also i think you know i'm i'm thinking about the kind of the economic systems that are now that allow blue note to basically have have this incredible roster uh of musicians on a pretty long leash and you know you hope you hope that some of that that uh that they're what's buying them that freedom is the you know eighth different from the vault recordings of <laughs> right uh um, artists who shall remain nameless, but some of whom we've mentioned already. But um, and and you know the concern. I think we've all talked about uh, in different configurations. Just there's this concern that like in a hundred years, in the same way that like presumably other people wrote marching band tunes, it wasn't just John Philip Sousa, but right. but who knows who those other guys were? We only know Sousa, right? So right. there's there's a little bit of a concern that like in a hundred years, is jazz going to be Miles Davis and John Coltrane with like a duke ellington composition somewhere and and that would that would be a poorer world i think and so it's really nice that that blue note has the ability to kind of uh uh play these sort of long these not long shots because these are established and talented musicians but that they can allow them to create and give them the freedom to do that and support them while they're doing that
0: and and we're not talking about international anthem on this one blue note is is the one of the people driving this and i'll i'll tell you like uh, the ambrose thing came to me from them uh, we basically received their entire uh, f- uh, late summer, fall release. And it's like eight or nine, ten albums or something. And it is – every single one is outstanding. And you, like you said, you have some – there's an Art Blakey reissue coming now. And it's outstanding. But And, and so that they're keeping up the quality. But on the newer tip, you have art, uh, labels like International Anthem that is mm-hmm. very similar in, the, in just the – the stuff they the quality of the stuff they're putting out now, and and the range of artists that they're actually supporting
3: is is just wild. I think it's also really interesting um, that Blue Note is is the is one of the labels that's doing that now. Because if you look at the history of the label, I mean they're they're fantastic, you know. And, and so I'm not meaning what I'm about to say to be anything of a criticism of them. But if you look at kind of you know the peak era of Blue Note, which is really the Rudy Van Gelder era um you know and and represents some of the best jazz recordings ever made um but there definitely is a blue note sound um and it's pretty steady um you know and it's um it's got the you know fantastic album art um, but there's just this this kind of whole blue note sound and feel um that was steady for a pretty long time um and i think when they started to take some of the chances um you know, on some artists that are playing different sounds or giving some of their catalog to Madlib, um, you know, to um, rework or, um, you know, th- and there's there's another one coming later this summer. And I'm blanking on everyone who's who's involved in it because it's a ton of people. But it's another one where it's um, kind of handing producers, um, you know, hip hop oriented producers, um, Blue Note Records and, and saying, you know, go work with this. And that's a really cool thing for a label that's been around for a long time. And that's largely established uh, because of their historical legacy um you know it shows their willingness to stay relevant and um you know keep current in really interesting ways um all right so what do you got for us wes uh, i'm shifting away from bluno the last two were, were bluno but i'm staying in new york um and um sticking with um four of um the baddest players that new york has um to offer um and uh, yes, yeah, so this is a album um, came out I think two weeks ago. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and it is um, it's a it's a really interesting one because as I said, it, it's four of um, you know just absolute contemporary legends um, of the New York jazz scene: um, Matthew Shipp, uh, William Parker, Daniel Carter, um, uh, and Gerald Cleaver. Um, and you know, so it's it's amazing that you've got. These groups, one of the things that that just fascinates me about this album that I didn't even realize until I had listened to it um, a couple times is that these four have never recorded all four of them together. Um, Matthew Shipp and William Parker have done a ton of stuff together over the years. Um, And, um, you know, I think just about everybody here has played together. Um, I know that... um, you know, uh, William Parker and Matthew Shipp um, and Daniel Carter uh, put out a really great album um, a year or two ago called um, Seraphic Light. That's um, really lovely. Um, and Gerald Cleaver um, and William Parker and Craig Taborn uh, have a project called Farmers by Nature um, that's just absolutely incredible. Um, and uh so all of these guys have played together with each other for decades. I mean, everybody's been in the field, um, for 30 to 40 years at this point, but this is the first album that they've made with all four of them together. Um, it's on ohm fidelity, um, which is a, um, really, really good place to go. If you're interested in the more avant side, um, of the New York jazz scene, um, just go to ohm fidelity. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know get their stuff the 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 only thing that's disappointing about them is that they don't put most of their albums on vinyl um and so but this one actually is on vinyl and um but yeah it's just it, it's a really remarkable recording um it's um kind of loose um it does go out a little bit but it's it's a little easier uh, listening than i think um some of the things that these guys have done together um so this could be a good intro um you know if you're not necessarily ready for um full on new york avant-garde scene um Right, but you know the, the the opening track here. When I was talking earlier about um, how jazz takes you to these really interesting places, and, you know, it's it's a journey to listen to the records. Um, and the opening track is called Majestic Travel Agency um which is just kind of like yeah here you go like buckle up your seatbelt your safety belt you know and um and i just love it because you, if you look at the cover of this album you're you're looking at what basically looks like four of the geekiest dads
0: um, that you're gonna come across, oh man you no know? uh, you see I, I look at this cover and i'm just like there's some like superhero shit about to pop off
3: well they totally like, are like I mean, this they're... is
0: this is a fucking like gang that will like fuck you up musically this is this is so like it's a it's just them uh for people who can see, it's them uh, standing in New York, and it's just fucking like, damn, that's powerful. Yeah. Like, they I mean, just
3: look powerful. They do. They do. Ge- geekily powerful, I'll say. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, but, but you know, in, in that superhero way, you know, they look like they're about to take off their glasses and put on their capes, you know? Yep. Um but yeah I mean th- this opening track is one of my favorite pieces that I've heard this year um, it is funky um, one of the things that I really love about William Parker is that he can go way the hell out but he often um, will put a um, really groovy bass line um, for you to kind of like follow along to and that's one of my favorite types of music it is groovy bass line and drums that are kind of grounded in funk and hip hop um, that kind of thing um, with more wild sounds on top of it um, and this is just one of the grooviest tracks I've heard all year we oh. into the new york scene um for the absolute best at what they do um getting together for the first time on record um and you know i i, I will say i have a, a particular affinity for these guys uh because matthew ship was actually um, my intro to avon jazz um you know i was i got into jazz in high school um you know through miles um honestly and um you know as as many many people did um and i it was uh, spending the summer with my brother in burlington vermont um I think it was 2003. Um, and I got there and he was just like, you know, Burlington has this really great jazz fest. And he was just like, Hey, you know, this guy, Matthew ship is going to be playing. And I'm honest, I've, I've been trying to remember, I think William Parker was there also, but I can't recall for sure. But, um, but yeah, I went, and I was just absolutely floored by this. It was unlike anything I'd ever heard before. Um, and I mean, the thing th- th- there's, there's this concept in, um, in Zen, um, Shoshaku Jushaku. Um, and it's, a Quote that's attributed to Dogen Zenji, um, and it's often translated as um, "one continuous mistake." And to me, that's like the playing of Matthew Ship. It sounds like one continuous mistake over a like decades long career, and yet he's so 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 good at putting those mistakes exactly where they're supposed to be. Well, when you get those those free elements, um,
2: or sort of, or maybe a more sort of expansive view of uh, of harmony and melody, um, you know, there, it can, it can, it can quickly degenerate into, um, this, that sort of like uh, what people think of as being musical nonsense. Right. And they just sort of assume that, that people landed there because they didn't have the chops to play normal quote unquote. And, and, you know, I think I, I, I'm, I'm personally a huge fan of, of when, um, these, these avant guys, um, remind you that like, no, we do have, we do have the chops. We can do, we can do everything the other guys do. We just don't find that very interesting.
3: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people under, uh, don't understand, um, you know, about the avant-garde jazz scene is, is kind of like, Oh, well, these people can only make these weird squealy sounds. It's like, no, really you need to understand, <laughs> you know, they, as you said, like they, they could be playing very traditional jazz. And, and as I said, I mean, th- this album is a little bit more on the, um, accessible side um, certainly than some of the other stuff that these guys um, you know have been involved in in a different project but but yeah I mean it just this is a really good example of of how good they are and how tight they are Um, and you you can see that that they have all played with each other in these different ways, but but I feel like maybe I don't know maybe maybe part of why I'm loving this one so much is that there's a freshness of getting the four of them together for the first time on record, and and with that familiarity with everyone's styles, um, but brought together you know with this actual cast for the first time. I think it's it's worth acknowledging you know since um, as we talk about
2: for example social justice, there's a lot of it's it's important to acknowledge that like. You know, the progress progress doesn't get made accidentally. And to draw uh, to draw a clumsy uh, but in my mind apt analogy, I think you know it's it's at the you know Or Ornette was was not welcomed, um, and he also didn't he he you know he didn't like learn scales and then decide to make noise right. I mean Ornette was was wasn't you know he he sort of came to where he did through uh, through discipline through rigor through structure. Um, and he landed where he did as a result of of working through his own mental process. And 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 you know t- the fact that so I'm thinking about the musicians that we've named in this conversation alone, and just how many genres, backgrounds, uh, approaches to music are represented. Um, and the idea that we can all still sort of hold it together under the label jazz is is probably a really well like. Like, there were people who, who went to their graves saying, no way will that ever be considered jazz, right? And here we are, and the label applies to, you know, GoGo Go Penguin uh, or Esperanza Spalding, right? So,
0: yeah, it, it's a it's a really big tent, and I think that gets back to how that is communicated and all those various, uh, they're just styles, but viewpoints and how people got there is actually communicated. And one, one thing as we start to wind this down, um, you know— we're talking about jazz albums and over the years i've found that i think unlike any other art form they have the ability to enable you to have a connection with the music more so than a lot of stuff but the reality is is that jazz almost like any other like music form is meant to be seen in front of people and it takes on a whole different Type of physicality, and now we can't do that. Clearly, um, but when we've talked about just we as society, you know how live streaming and stuff is going forward, and I, I've been looking at this whole thing and thinking, well, this is the time for jazz because it works on record, and that energy, some something about the energy of people playing this type of music together, it just. No matter what medium it's in, it translates and like pushes through. The pure shot is sitting in front of a jazz band. Like, there's a place here called the Jazz Estates. Uh, it's fantastic. They tried to open back up and then realized nope. <laughs> um, and and so they, they, but they also got in uh, on the ground floor of really upgrading like their video equipment so they can have bands in there to play uh, and, and stream it out like that. And I'll tell you, man, they're. What they're putting out now is
2: good. And it makes you feel more connected to the world. Well, you know, I think like a lot of, um, I think, I think, I think jazz crystallizes an artistic tension that you see everywhere, which is that question of, is this a, is this a, a, a retrospective, uh, format or is this about looking forward? Right. So are we, so, so is jazz about repertory and is it about, uh, chops or is it about finding new modes of creation? Um, and and there is a real risk that as the music becomes really cerebral, it starts to become sort of like Glenn Gouldish. Like it's it's it needs to be kept in a completely sealed and sterile environment because it can't be sullied by by reality. And I think I think we all kind of like a little bit of grime. Uh, you know, you like you like there to be a sort of a, a terroir in uh, uh, in the music you're hearing, and and you really only get that in in that in that sort of club setting or in that live setting. I think.
3: I think it'll also be interesting because you know what Kevin was describing can work really well with a lot of types of jazz, um, and um, you know one, one of the other <laughs> jazz jokes that's been kind of going around recently is uh, this: like, well, you know, you can open up the club, but you're going to have to keep everyone this far apart, so you really only have like six audience members. People are like, oh, great, so jazz clubs can open. It's good. you're right you know, it's, it's pretty good. But at the same time, um, at the same time, what we're seeing. Um, is groups like Ezra Collective, um, Sons of Kemet, um, who or, or the, the the thing I forget uh, uh, which which festival it was, but there was a um, Common is coming performance, um, and the headlines the next day were like the first ever jazz mosh pit, you know. So that's the one thing <laughs> that I do wonder is that this music is again bringing in a younger audience, um, and it's bringing in a audience who is who wants to get out and move. Um, And that hasn't happened in jazz, you know, really since, I mean, I think since the swing era when people stopped dancing and started watching what the players were doing as they started to do more solos um, and uh, things like that, you know, and it became less of a dance-oriented thing. And so now as it's kind of becoming this, you know, bigger thing um, that's drawing big audiences of young people who are dancing, hopefully that won't get lost, um, you know, all this well said
0: all that said like when now i think is kind of the best time to get into jazz if you've been mm-hmm. like questioning like how do i do this and uh you know we just open the door for you but really just open fire up spotify or whatever type in jazz and then just go
2: yeah and you know used things? to have to go to a store and suffer the withering yeah. looks of some asshole who thought he knew jazz better than you right yeah and you would, and you, and you like, you were like, well, I'm buying these two obvious things, so I have to add like three, just <laughs> right. sort of like out there noisy records to my mix, so this guy respects me. You don't have to do that. Just, yeah, just dial up whatever your streaming platform is.
0: Yeah, and 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 also what we say on this show a lot is that like don't don't let anybody tell you what you you should like. Mm. Like I, I mean, you just don't. Especially yeah. when it comes to jazz, like it. I, like you said, there are those people that are very much like, oh, you only listen to this. Or like we've said, you know, people are like, is it really jazz? Fuck yeah, it's jazz. <laughs> like it's, it, the, the, the range is so broad of what it can be, and you need to find people that celebrate that. And just and be like, and anything they hand you, just take it, listen to it. If you don't like it, don't listen to it again.
3: That's how this game works. <laughs> And one of Uh, the other best things about listening to jazz and particularly when you're just getting into jazz or if you're looking to really deepen, you know, if you've been into Miles and Coltrane and uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that or even Ornette, you know, if you've been listening to that stuff for years uh, but haven't quite clicked into the other stuff is – Just look at the names of the people who are playing on the album and search their names. Um, You know, you like that bass line on that record, search for that bass player because he's played on dozens and dozens of other records, if not hundreds of other records, you know, but every album that we've covered today, if you look at the other people who are playing on it, you're going to find a ton of other gems. Um, yeah. And that's honestly, I mean, it's it's, it's why I, I've been I've been totally lost down this jazz all the last like I don't know like five years. Just like, keep following it along, deeper and deeper. I keep thinking like, oh, maybe I'll go listen to something else, and then I don't because there's just so much more amazing jazz to listen. Yeah, to. you you could still
2: be the world's foremost expert in like Freddie Hubbard's discography. Like that seat is right. open, right? You yeah. can you can challenge <laughs> someone for it. You just got you just got to put the time in.
0: Or uh, Sonny Stitt's Mister Bojangles. There you go. <laughs> he, he can, <laughs> you could be on that. that that's an, actually that's an excellent jumping in point. Uh, for people uh but you know the thing about actually looking up and following just a bass player's career on anybody that is to me what is and look, hopefully we all have a lot of time, regardless if it's a pandemic or whatever. your life is long. you get to decide what to do with it, mm-hmm. and you should be filling it up with stuff like this i i I know you can do it with like a rock band or an indie rock band or whatever i'm just gonna Guess that's not going to be as rewarding, you know. <laughs> if you follow like not picking on anybody, but like if you follow the bass player for real estate, like see what else he did, it's going to be like in the same. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but it, and you literally you pick up any jazz album, and you're gonna and follow that, or the the person who played clarinet and stuff, and you you're gonna find music that is just going to absolutely blow your mind. And if that's what you're into and if that's cuz I think that's why we listen to music then that's you should you should do that while you have time. is that for a jazz odyssey folks Uh, thanks to Eduardo and Wes for hanging out and uh, thanks to you for listening you know this has gotten more and more into jazz over the past few years and so we started to think about maybe bringing that more to you and so that's what we're going to be doing you're going to see a lot more jazz in these episodes you're going to see a lot more music uh, by women a lot more music from uh, artists people of color and uh, a lot less uh, cock rock although there is going to be some because we have to get to our 500th episode, uh, and then it will be kind of a little, kind of a little reset. Some interesting things coming in that in that lane. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Go out and get all three of these records, and uh, and then you know just just really think hit jazz like we said. Hit jazz on your uh, streaming service of choice, and go with the first one. If you don't like it, move on to the next one. There's a great smooth jazz collection out right now on the Numero Group called New Leaf. I highly recommend it. I'll put this in the show notes, but uh, it's uh, it's chill. It's super. Chill. It's not sophisticated at all. I'll tell you that. So. Uh, that is it. We are out of here. If you like what you heard, we are still in this fucking pandemic mess. So what I want you to do is rather than finding us, we are gonna be here, we're gonna be out here. Uh pick a local business, pick a local charity, uh pick a local venue and figure out how you can support them, how you can help them uh stay open, especially these uh local venues. We've seen a lot of venues especially here in Milwaukee and some in DC move to this more streaming uh, example. So I knew Turner Hall uh, here just did one the other night. It was a chicken wire empire, a bluegrass band and uh, props to them. They were going to do the show for uh, have about 250 people in there. In actual Turner Hall, it holds about a thousand people. And stream it. Uh, they looked at the science and said, "No, we can't do that." Cancel all, all their shows for the in-person portion of that. So thank you guys so much for doing that. That's where we need to be. But also, like Cactus Club is starting up some new streams. I think Songbird is going to be starting them soon. U-Haul has been having U-Haul TV. That's in Washington D.C. So, so figure out how to support these. And if you watch a stream, really give give the people your money. Five bucks. If a hundred of you give people five bucks, that's five hundred dollars. That's five hundred more than this venue had, and it gives people a little, uh, little breathing room. So, uh, so get out there and do some good. Coming up in the next few weeks, we are going to be switching to a, a bit of a, a Wednesday schedule, once a week. Uh, but I'm not quite sure when uh, that's going to go into full effect. So you may see some two a week here, coming kind of soon. But I know in the can we have a uh, discussion with our friend J.M. Hart uh about rose city band summer long an excellent little uh ambient lp uh we've got the chicks coming up we've got Lori mckenna's new album the balladeer coming up we've got bruce Hornsby's album coming up we've got uh bill Frisell's album album coming up uh there's just a lot of uh, great new music and uh you know if you ever have a suggestion that you want us to talk about something then uh, hit us up at hit me up actually kevin the chunky dot com and we'll see if we can get in rotation or maybe even get you on the show that is it kids hope you're staying safe out there sanitized and most of all sane we will talk to you in a few
1: <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> no.